Basketball season is heating up with big plays and even bigger wins. And we've teamed up with DraftKings to get you in on the games. Yes, DraftKings just dropped a brand new way to play daily fantasy sports with Pick 6. Right now, all new customers, well, you can make your first pick set and get up to $50 back in Pick 6 credits after playing just $5 in their first pick set. That's right. You just have to play $5 and you'll get $50 back in Pick 6 credits. Pretty good. Getting started is simple. Download the DraftKings app, Pick 6, and sign up using the code BULLYBALL. Track your lineup, compete against others, you'll get a shot at a huge cash prize. So just download the DraftKings Pick 6 app. You can do that now. Sign up with the code BULLYBALL. That's code BULLYBALL. Only on DraftKings Pick 6, the crown is yours. You already know I'm locked into the NBA schedule and what games are coming up, but sometimes when there are great concerts in town, I don't realize it until it's almost too late. So when I'm trying to grab last-minute tickets, Game Time always has my back. From sports to concerts, Game Time is the fastest way to buy tickets for all the events near you. And with last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your actual seat that you can see beforehand, and their best price guaranteed. That's right. GameTime is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can even see the view from your seat, really, before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. And with Zone Deals, you pick the section and the GameTime picks the seats for you for big savings. The GameTime guarantee means you will always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference takes the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code BULLYBALL for $20 off your first purchase. That's right, code BULLYBALL, $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Man, ever since I've been retired, the truth is, I've been staying busy. I'm working on becoming a multi-sport athlete. Any day, any time, I'm the amateur best in the world. Ah. I've even become a Papa Shot King. I gotta stay competitive for the kids. I'm unstoppable. Oh man, come on now. Who won't smoke? I've been staying in shape. And with everything I got going on, I've been really trying to stay on top of my social media game. Wait, am I live? Didn't mean to do that. Again. You know I love the grill, and I'll become a master of the culinary arts. Man, what's next? You know what? I think I'm going to start my own show. Welcome to Bully Ball, presented by DraftKings. I'm Rachel Nichols. That, as always, is DeMarcus Cousins. And look who we got in the building today, Amin L. Hassan. Welcome, my friend. I'm still alive. My voice is a little <laughs> shot, but I'm still alive. <laughs> well, all three of us were in Indy this weekend, so we're all a little worse for wear. Everybody, uh, everyone cut us some slack here today. I do want to start with All-Star Weekend. Um, 
some good things. Look, let's let's talk about Steph and Sabrina for just a second. This was organic. It felt amazing. The moment was incredible. Uh, I was lucky enough to be in the building, so I didn't have to hear Kenny Smith ruin the moment on top of what was going on, which was great. Um, I, I thought it was phenomenal that they both put themselves out there like that. I mean, I know most of the other players in that building would not have done that, frankly. Um, and the fact they're already talking about next year, maybe bringing in Caitlin Clark and Clay Thompson in and making it a double thing or something like that. I, I thought it was incredible. Uh, you love that, right, Book? I do, man. I, I think that was an incredible, you know, deal. Um, definitely the highlight of the weekend, um, which is kind of a good thing and bad thing to be said. But uh, like I said, I think that was a really dope thing. Um, it definitely added some excitement to the weekend. It was something, it was something different that we hadn't seen before. And, and obviously I think, when it comes to fixing that issue of, you know, actually making the weekend competitive, yeah, bring in a girl and give her a chance to kick your ass. And we're going to definitely see guys come out there and compete. And and that's what we got to see. Um, so uh, hopefully we might have to start adding some females to the mix in general just to, excite, uh, you know, put a little more energy into to the weekend. So uh, okay, I'm lucky. No, I, I was, uh, was going to say, if you, if you want to improve something, bring a woman in. That's all I'm saying. Go ahead, Mean. No, <laughs> I, at this point, I'm excited about any star that wants to come and play hard. You yeah. a star? You want to play hard? That's it. It's sold. You come right away because we'll get to it, but we need to get some of these guys out of here. All right, we'll get to it. Get to it. So what are you, your problems besides the weather? I mean, went on a, a weekend-long Twitter okay. diatribe about the weather, but can, besides the weather, what do, you, what do you want to get to about what's wrong with All-Star Weekend? That's a conversation I'll have with the commissioner directly. But as far <laughs> as the, the All-Star Weekend, and I'm going I'm to I'm start with Sunday because Sunday is the biggest problem. We had a game where we had three total fouls. If you added up every foul by every person and gave it to one dude, he still wouldn't be in foul trouble even in the first half of a game, right? Three total fouls, three total shot blocks. Guys openly walking through the motions. Guys telling you in their comments to the to the media, I don't care. It's not important. It's not a big deal. And I'm, I'm just like, look, people, I hate when people say, oh, the 80s and the 90s. You don't have to go that far back. DeMarcus, when you... When you played in the All-Star game, y'all played hard. Kobe, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron, all of these guys played hard in the All-Star game. They put on a show. Did they die for loose balls and have flagrant fouls? No. But you didn't also just say, all right, go ahead, just lay it up. Okay, I'm going to throw it full court. He's going to lay it up over there. And the problem with all of these guys is they don't understand that it's messing with the money. It's not about paying them extra money. It's about, hey, TNT pays a lot of money for this thing. And we're up against a new media deal. And that money feeds BRI, which feeds the salary cap, which feeds what the max salaries are. So if TNT or whoever gets the, the rights next year uh, say, I don't want to do this anymore, or I don't want to pay that much, that affects everybody. It brings the money down. So I, I just don't but understand. But we're so far from that happening. I mean, that's the problem is there's not a connection there because you know the next media deal, the money's going to go up. It's going to it? go up. Whether it goes up, yes, it's going to go. I'm willing to sit here and say that they will make more money from the next media rights deal than they did from the last one. And like, until that connection actually gets made, like, I don't see that. I don't see that, hey, it's going to f- mess with our money. I don't see that actually sinking in. Why would it? It's not messing with anyone's money. I is mean, there? But- is there a my fault, Boogie. I, let me ask you this because you're a name that I brought up in this way. Is there a way we get 
like recently retired players and people from the player association to convince guys to to hey man this this is serious um well i think that's the problem right there as a competitor you know as an all-star uh all of these things come with a responsibility so and that responsibility is to go out there and compete like simple as that so the fact that you have to be convinced that's a problem like that doesn't make sense this is your job this is what you do on an everyday basis this is your occupation so when you clock into your occupation, you should be a professional about it. And that's just going out there, playing hard and competing. Like you said, it shouldn't be guys out there diving on the floor and things of that nature because nobody wants to get hurt in a game that really doesn't matter. But it does matter to these fans. It does matter to the league. It does matter for everybody else that's coming behind us. It does matter. But at the same time, everybody wants to leave with their health and all of that. So obviously you want to create some type of a balance. But just as far as putting on a good show, uh, just being competing at some type of a level. Give me more than 60%. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like that's our responsibility. So uh, the fact that you're asking, can we convince them? That's the issue right there. Like, it shouldn't even have to come to that. It's not like people didn't try, right? Going into this game, Adam Silver talked about how it was going to be more competitive. He had Joe Dumars go and talk to several of the players about how important it was to the league and to the TV rights and everything else for it to be competitive. Guys told me they were talking on the bench that like Trey Young said that he and Donovan Mitchell were talking on the bench afterward about how it could be more competitive. And yet it's not actually happening. And there's, you know, some people have come up with with tweaks, right? Bill Simmons came out and said that, you know, we shouldn't have a three-point line in the All-Star contest just to get everybody back to sort of, you know, playing playing more competitive ball. Because it's true. I had guys say to me afterward, like Paul George said to me afterward, he's like, look, we're not playing full, we're not picking guys up from 90 feet. And Dame's hitting these shots from from half court. And, and what are you supposed to do to defend that in an All-Star game? I get that. And the skill level there is super high. But yes, the idea of maybe removing the three-point line, um, you know, for me, my, my little tweak like that would be like, let's require all first year all-stars to be in the dunk contest. If it's your first year in the all-star game, you have to be in the dunk contest. Mm -hmm. And I understand that dunking's hard on the body, but these are younger, going to be younger players with that rule. So I don't know. That's my crazy rule. I do think the biggest issue though is priorities. This is where the NBA has to decide what is most important to them because being at All-Star Weekend, what appears to be most important is sponsorship opportunities, right? It's the sponsors. It is a weekend that the league has turned into for the sponsors to have great tickets to the game. The sponsors have these players running around and doing 10 obligations over a 24-hour period. I'm not saying they're too tired to play basketball. I don't buy that. I'm just saying that it is message to them over and over through the weekend that the game is an afterthought. It's literally the last thing out of 15 things that they are being asked to do. If you are deciding that sponsors are the most important part of the weekend, the building is going to be absolutely dead like it was on Sunday. People are not going to give players and yell at them and give them a hard... Can you imagine if a Rucker Park crowd was in there and guys didn't bother defending... Can you imagine how the fans would get on these players and embarrass them and make them want to compete harder? Of course. But instead, it was just, I mean, there was a point I looked at at the lower bowl in the first half, and there was maybe a quarter of the seats were empty. And, and you're looking at that being like, okay, again, it's up to the players to play. I am not shifting responsibility. I am just saying that you create an environment that feels bigger or smaller. And it feels smaller with all these sponsors. And it comes back to, again, priorities. It's like the 65-game rule and the how do we get load management to stop the priority for each owner is winning a championship, which is fair, which is fine. But that is the reason why owners complain in the boardroom about load management, the TV deal, and then tell their own teams, hey, it's okay if you load manage because I 
want my guys fresh for the playoffs. You have to decide what's most important. And I don't think the league as a whole, from players to the league office to the sponsors on down, has put a competitive all-star game as their actual highest priority. All these other things are taking a front seat. Damn. You, you hit it I on got, the head, Rachel. <laughs> you hit it on the head, Rachel. <laughs> you just have to decide I, what's most important. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And we've spoke on this briefly before where it's also where we do have to create a balance for these all-star guys. And, hey, if we hey if it comes to a situation to where, you know, we don't want the all-stars to have to do all the – because. At the end of the day, this is a business. We do need these all-stars and superstar players and NBA guys in general. We need them to network and push these sponsors. We need all of that. Like, all of this matters. But in this case, it has to be some type of a balance to where these all-stars can get the rest that's necessary. Maybe it's an idea where we bring in other NBA guys that didn't make all-star or a borderline all-star. And they're the ones that's connecting throughout the weekend, networking with these sponsors. And we do get these all-stars the opportunity to get some rest. Or maybe it's cut in half to where it's a little bit of the all-stars, a little bit of the guys that were borderline. You know what I mean? So it has to it has to be some type of a balance in order to get the perfect, you know, solution at the end of this. So uh, I agree with you 100%, Rachel. It's, there's, you know, in economics, there's a way to handle this. If I have, if I'm selling 100 tickets for $5 a pop, they sell out real quick, right? So what do I do? I raise the price to the point where like, okay, now people are waiting and seeing. So it's the same thing here. If there are so many sponsors and they're all willing and they all want all-stars there, then it's on the league to raise the price for those sponsors. You want to you get Kawhi Leonard in here? It's going to cost this much versus some of the younger all-stars will cost this much. But Rachel and Boogie, I want to I put a spotlight on someone else who has some control in this situation that we haven't talked about. And it's the coaches. Because in every one of these disappointing all-star games, there are players that do take it seriously and at least right. give some effort. I thought Damian Lillard did. Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. did. Carl Devin Towns, Booker, clearly. Devin Booker, right? So what I want to see from the coaches is, hey, I know Luca was a starter. If he's doing that, Sit his ass down. Put book in the game. Yeah, that's right. Your rival is going to be playing your minutes. And you're going to sit your ass down here and play eight or nine minutes through the game. And let's see if you like All-Star Weekend as much. And if not, don't be an All-Star. I, I, I mean this as someone who loves Luka Doncic's game. I think he's incredible. I think it's only a matter of time before he becomes an MVP and a champion in this league. But what he did on Sunday night – Dog, I don't want that. If that's how you're going to be, just sit down. It's cool. Right. You don't want to play, just don't play. Play the guys who want to play. And I think the coaches have some responsibility in that in that regard. I agree with that. Yeah, no no doubt. And by the way, all this concern about injuries, I do want to say this. And you had a lot of guys after say, well, hey, at least no one got hurt. We wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. You guys, I mean, maybe you have better memories than me. The only injury significant in an all-star game I can remember, and obviously I don't go back more than, you know, 25 years here, is... Dwayne Wade broke Kobe's nose, right? And that's the only one I can remember. And like, that wasn't something that hampered Kobe for, for the rest of the calendar year. I mean, it, it just, I don't know. I think that the the fear of being injured in an all-star game is a little overwrought to the point where it's kind of an excuse for everything. And look, we had a guy at the Super Bowl who got injured walking on the field. So there's always going to be 
some fluke stuff somewhere, but I, I think that's an overwrought concern as well. I do want to move on. You mentioned the coaches. You mentioned Damian Lillard. Dame owned All-Star. I mean, I mean, he won MVP. He won the three-point contest. Um, he had a great outing. Uh, Doc Rivers, I don't know. I, he hasn't had that many wins with the Bucks, but he won the All-Star game with a team that was considered the less stacked team. Um, still, things not going well in Milwaukee. When the Bucks fired Adrian, <laughs> <laughs> well, when the Bucks fired Adrian Griffin, guys, I just want to remind you of the numbers that Griff had put together a thirty and thirteen start to the season. They are now three and seven in their first 10 games under Doc. There's been a lot of criticism of Doc Rivers, both, you know, online, but also, I mean, you know, in a lot of player circles and, and a lot of sort of behind the scenes stuff, there's been a lot of, well, what did you expect kind of thing. Um, I did speak to Doc at All-Star and I want you guys to listen to what he told me about it wasn't just the Bucks who wanted him, guys. So Milwaukee's getting getting criticism right now. But he said this. I had committed to taking a year off. I had two other teams that had already called during the season and we wouldn't even take the interview. Uh, and, you know, with this one came about and I thought that, um, you know, just the fact that it was the, the teams, um, um, you know, from where I went to school at uh, and the type of team. The starter. <laughs> hey, like, this is the all-star starter. We just did it. Here he goes. 40 minutes. <laughs> I told all the guys that we have to beat that I'm playing them all 40 minutes in the game tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was just, it was a lot. And, and you know, it was like I was joking. They put me on a clock. It's not like I had a week to decide. So it was a tough one. Can I ask who the other two teams were? No, no. <laughs> I thought it was worth a try. No. It was good. That was a good try. Okay. All right. <laughs> so two teams wanted them. So, so Boogie, we got to guess. We got to do some, some guesswork here. You won't go first or, or should I go first? Uh, you go ahead. You go first. All right. I'm guessing the guy that just got fired would be one of them. So I would say Brooklyn would be one of those situations where they hit up Doc and say, what do you think? Okay. I agree. I, I can see that scenario. Um, I'm going to say the Lakers. I'm going to say There's the Lakers. There's been speculation about that since you said it. <laughs> I'm going to say the Lakers for sure. Uh <laughs> They're I don't, always, I don't they're think always that's sneaking show, around but. and prying around, and you know they kind of they kind of get off on knowing that they did things under the radar, like you know what I mean. So they, they like the element of surprise. So I can definitely see the Lakers being that other team. Well, the Bucks are the ones who got him, and, and let me tell you how it's going. They lost right before the break to a Memphis team. This was the, the game they had before the All Star break. Memphis was starting, starting two guys on ten day contracts. Starting And by the way, I think one of them had just gotten there like two days earlier. So like not even like guys on like multiple back to back 10 days who had, you know, been in with the system or anything started two players who were on 10 days. Giannis afterward had a lot to say. Here was his quote. He said, we have to want it, man. Enough with the talking. Enough with the our shit don't stink mentality. Do we really want it? Are we putting in the work? And then he said, Guys are tired. That's an excuse. New coach. That's an excuse. The system. Excuse. New defense. Excuse. He goes all of it. Excuse. So, Boogie, what is your worry level for the Bucks right now? They're sitting in third in the East. Um, it definitely should be, you know, some concern. Um, nothing, nothing severe because these are all very fixable, you know, problems. Um, I agree with Giannis. Like, at some point, the players have to, you know, self-reflect and look at themselves. 
the coach isn't playing the game. Uh, the players are. Uh, it's no excuse. You, you can't blame the coach. You can't blame the system. You can't blame the deep. This is a team with two guys on 10-day contracts. And not to ever knock any, you know, guy at this level with their abilities, but we're talking about a team that's starting, contending. Starting. But, yes. We're talking <laughs> two about starters on 10-day contracts. We're talking about five NBA starters, two All-Stars, against a team that's just trying to stay afloat and hopefully sell some tickets and get – their star player back next year. Like, it's, it's two different scenarios. So, it's no excuse to ever drop games like that. It does happen, but in their situation where they're trying to right this ship right before the playoff, it, it's no excuse for that. Um, it's got to be a lot more urgency with this team. Um, you kind of watch them, and, you know, outside of Dame and Giannis being the stars that they are, like, you could just see the problems within that. Um the chemistry isn't quite there. You can tell that some guys don't really enjoy playing with one another. You can tell that guys aren't happy for the next guy. Um, we've seen a few clips from big fella Brooke Lopez where he's kind of, you know, giving Dame some grief about shot selection and things of that nature. Those are all signs that this team isn't together, there isn't camaraderie, and they're not all on the same page. But uh, like I said, these are things that are fixable. Um, you can't continue to blame the coach for it. Even though his shit stinks too, but this is on the players to get correct. Like effort, you know, energy and playing with urgency doesn't come from the coach. That comes from the players. Players set that standard. That's something you have to come out and do every single night. Players set that standard, not the coach. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, first of all, I, I keep thinking about the guy who signed a 10-day two days earlier. What was what plays was he running? He's just floppy and horns, right? Every every time down because he can't even he can't tell me he knew the play calls at that point. Um, yeah, there's I think there's there's on both sides, like like Boogie said. On the one hand, no disrespect to young guys or ten day guys or whatever, but you got two all stars and a guy who finished second or third in defensive player of the year voting last year. You got enough to win against a, a team that's going straight to Secaucus for the lottery machine, right? On the other hand, this game, I, I'll be honest, uh, fans don't understand the need for structure. We're never just rolling the ball out and playing pickup. There's structure. Mm -hmm. There's got to be systems, how we know, how we're defending, who's helping who, where am I supposed to be when the ball's over there versus when it's over here, right? And then offensively, a hierarchy and getting guys going. And I think one of the biggest things we, we've all noticed about the Bucs is you have a great finisher in Giannis. You got a great perimeter player in Dame. Why do they never have any action together? Why is it like they're running two different things separate from one another? And I think that comes down to you got to have a system and a, a playbook in place. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be the, uh, the old um, Flip Saunders uh, encyclopedia where it's like a thousand pages, <laughs> but you got to have something so that when we go out there, the guys know, Hey, this is what we're doing. Our first option out of this is this. Our second option is this. Our third option is this. And if that fails, then they make something happen or Giannis makes something happen. It feels like they get to that fourth emergency option a lot faster than they should. Well, we'll see. I mean, look, one of the things Doc said about coaching in the All-Star game is, you know, he was I, I will give him credit. He has said over and over and over again, hey, this is Griff's 
award. I don't see why I'm here. This doesn't make sense. They should have given it to someone else. So I appreciate that he kept saying that. And he said he wanted to use the week. Well, he said he wanted to use the week to play golf, but also to be able to sort of, you know, look at the team. You know, he came into the job running and that that he wanted to to be able to sit down and take the week and look at the team and, and, and kind of come up with some of this stuff. So I'm sure he will still do that too. I'm sure he will also still play golf. Um, but But it does beg the larger question of, you know, what mobility is there in the East? We have already seen, right, uh, Cleveland come up to that number two spot in the East. Take, You know, Milwaukee was, was really wedged in there, but now Cleveland has come up in there. And by the way, the Sixers also clearly have lost seven of ten going into the break because of the Embiid injury. And, and they are definitely trying to make a go of it and be competitive until he gets back, if and when he can come back. But they're not the team that they were. So there is mobility in that Eastern Conference. Um, I want to know who you guys think. We've got about a third of the season to go. Uh who do you guys think is in the position in the Eastern Conference to climb into the standings with Milwaukee not quite sure of who they are and the Sixers obviously having the injury problems they've had? Uh, I mean, the team that sticks out to me just right off top is the Miami Heat. Um, we we know for a fact that they're a second-half team. They've shown, they've shown these patterns over and over again. Um, this is usually the time of year where Jimmy Butler starts to – we start seeing the big games from Jimmy. Um, he is going through, you know, his personal family issues right now, but um, I'm sure once he's passed that, he gets back to this, gets back to basketball, um, you know, he'll be locked in, ready to finish out the season that we're accustomed to see, seeing from him. So uh, the Miami Heat stick out right away for me, on top with the addition of, you know, Terry Rozier, who hasn't quite found his rhythm with this team yet, but I think he was the perfect piece to go with along with this team so uh we can see this team you know make some noise in the second half and definitely move up the rankings well that yeah. Rozier I mean I, I don't know what's going to happen with his injury they said sprained knee it's week to week I, I don't know I mean if he's out for a long time obviously that's going to be an issue but I, I agree I mean they're a potential mover for sure yeah and, and the beauty of Indiana excuse me of Miami is that they have a next man up mentality and so they're guys that are not uh like unaccustomed to being called upon, like, now, okay, now you're playing major minutes. They're ready, uh, and they, they've got enough there to keep it going uh, until they can get everyone healthy. But as you can probably tell, uh, the, the other team I was going to say is Indiana. And I think, you know, something – they did a really big move by getting Pascal Siakam in there. Uh, mm-hmm. But it just coincided with Tyrese Halliburton getting hurt. And so they weren't really quite all healthy and all together all at the same time for an extended amount of time. Even when Halliburton came back, he's on a minutes restriction and all that. Now if you had a little bit of a break, he's going to be 100%. I'm excited to see what the Indiana Pacers can do with a full-strength roster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's some of that stuff's up for grabs. And seeding in the East is, is going to be important. I know the East doesn't look as stacked as the West in terms of maybe how, how much of a thicket and competitive going through the early rounds of the playoffs are going to be. But... What seeding you get is definitely going to be a factor in the East because you don't want to face some of those teams at the bottom. And, you know, if you only have to go through one of them to get to the one of the other big sort of boys on the block to get through the conference finals, I I think that will make a big difference. I want to look at the West, too, though, because, guys, the West is insane. I mean, we, we have had guys bunched, teams bunched, you know, in the top four have basically been been trading places for a while and completely, you know, half a game, a point, 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 oh of a game, you know, different from each other. Um, and then at the bottom too, the Mavericks, who I think were even out of the play-in at one point or at the bottom of the play-in, are now the seventh seed. They've won six straight going into All-Star. They have the 10th easiest strength of schedule 
going forward. Uh, the Warriors, eight of 10 that they won going into All-Star and had like a weird loss in there too, where Clay Thompson kind of has had a brain freeze. So that easily could have been nine out of 10. Um, Los Angeles, the Lakers have won six out of seven going into All-Star. So like you've got, you've got teams on the come up and, and they're getting squeaked. I mean, there's so much going on in there. What do you guys think? I mean, I mean, what's your look going into this? Well, first of all, I, I feel bad for Minnesota and Oklahoma City, two young teams that are, have been playing great all year long, and their reward is you're going to have to play one of these teams that comes out of the play and that's not going to be your typical seven or eight seed. Right. Um, I'm going to go against... I'm going to go against with the Matt. The Matt says the Warriors have the easiest schedule, the remaining strength of schedule. And, and obviously, I have a lot of respect for everyone there. But I'm going to go against Matt, and I'm going to say the Phoenix Suns, who have the toughest schedule remaining. But I think they're healthy. And then also the addition of Royce O'Neal. I thought before they did that deal, they had a lot of guys that were masquerading as rotation players that weren't really rotation NBA players. Those were guys that were there and playing because they didn't have a whole lot of depth. I think the second half of the season with everyone healthy and you add Royce O'Neal as another guy who can come off your bench, you you can rely on to play some tough defense, to hit some uh, three-pointers. I think that's going to help them. So that's the team I see rising the most in the second half of the season. Um, I'm going to have to lean with the Mavericks. Um, I think they made some really, really good moves at the deadline. The addition of P.J. Washington, uh, the big fella from uh, Washington, Gafford. Um, Gafford, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Gafford is a more experienced version of, of the young guy they have in Lively, so I think that was a, a perfect move for them. Um, a lob threat, a guy that can protect the rim, get up and down the floor. Uh, you know, his game complements Luke and Kyrie well. And uh, to add – you know, a stretch four in P.J. Washington who shoots it at a very high clip, can put the ball on the floor a little bit, um, can make plays, you know, for that Dallas offense and also is another compliment piece to Luka and Kyrie. So uh, I think they made some brilliant moves at the deadline. I think this team will only get better. Uh, you know, Kyrie did miss some time, so he'll be getting back into the swing of things. Um, and I think it's just enough amount of time left in the season for this team to really find their strive and, you know, going to the playoffs with some confidence. So uh, I'm going to roll with the, uh, the Mavericks. Well, they're on a good roll. Uh, we, we had a great final kick set up here for some teams. There's going to be some very competitive games in this final part of the season. I'm, I'm psyched about that. All right. It is time for, oh, yes, DraftKings. I will take that bet. Let's look at the odds for Defensive Player of the Year up on the DraftKings board. Gobert, heavy favorite again to win the award. This would be his fourth time. That would tie the great Ben Wallace for the most ever. So he's at minus 650. Uh, Jared Allen is at plus 1,000. Wemby's at plus 2,000. Check that is at plus 2,500. So, so the gap is huge there. Um, Wemby, I just want to point this out. He's leading the league in blocks. He's fourth in defensive rating. So I, I know Gobert is the heavy favorite, but if you want to put down money that will actually get you money, I, I don't know if you go with Wemby. The last team with a sub-500 record to have a defensive player of the year was the Spurs. That was 86 with Alvin Robertson. Um, but but I don't know. What, what Boogie, where would you go? Would you take the bet on uh, on Wemby or someone else? You just go bare, and that's that's what it is. I'm rolling with Wemby. Uh, I'm going to take the bet on Wemby. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, this is a young, up-and-coming superstar for this league. Um, the product is going to be pushed. Um He's just – and not to take away from any of his talent, he's he's that good of a young player that he's even in this conversation as a rookie. Um, 
obviously, you know, the company around him and where the see where the team is at where the team is at at this point in the season isn't in favor of him winning, but you can't take away the impact that he he brings every night. You can't take away his abilities and, you know, the way he's producing at this young age, like he has to be credited for what he's doing. And um, I I would not be surprised to see, you know, rookie of the year and defensive player of the year in the same season for Wimby. Um, I think he's that good. Mm. I think, I think he's that talented. I think he ran away with the rookie of the year at this, you know, at this point in the season. So uh, mm, that's it, it just makes sense too. for me. It makes sense for me. And um, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be afraid to say he, he wins it this year. So that's my choice. Rachel, you asking me who I think is going to win it or who I think should win it? Cause those are two I'm answers. asking you, would you put your money down? Would you put your hard earned cash down on anyone but Rudy Gobert? To win DPOY. So if it's me betting my money, it's because I'm trying to predict what the voters, of which I am not one, are going to do. And I think they're just going to look at Minnesota's the best team and they've had the best defense or one and two all year long. And their best defensive player is Rudy Gobert. And that's who they're going to pick. Do I agree? No, but I'm not trying to lose money and be right. <laughs> I'd, ra- I'd rather make well, what money. What do you think? If you were voting, what would you, what would you vote? Who would you vote for and why? So... Uh, and I talked about this with Boogie before before we started. A lot of the names I want to vote for are disqualified because of the 65-game rule. So Joel Embiid was a name. He's out. I can't vote for him. Evan Mobley is is a guy. I know we mentioned Jared Allen. I think Evan Mobley has been a bigger uh, force on the defensive end for Cleveland than even Jared Allen has been. But again, he doesn't qualify. So now I'm left with guys that, I, I don't know that they're the best defensive player of the, in, in the league, but I do know they make a massive defensive impact. And kind of like what we talked about before the show, Boogie, I know they're going to be on the floor in clutch times in a playoff situation. The I know they're, they're going to be out Daniels, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I, the two guys I'm going to say, the two guys I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Derek White for the Celtics. I think he does an excellent job on the best offensive wing player in the league every single night. And he's able to hold his own offensively as well, which I'm still kind of amazed at what kind of player he's become on the offensive end. The other name I'm going to say, and it, obviously they're going to need to win a lot more, but they also have a, an elite defense, is Bam Adebayo. I don't think he gets yeah. enough credit for being the center of a – not just the center in position, but the center of a defense – that makes up for a lot of other people's deficiencies out there. And the fact that the Heat, with all the injuries they've had, they think only Memphis has had more games lost to injury than Miami this year. For them to still be competitive, still be above 500, and still be a top 10 defense, a lot of that is Bam out of bio. So you know what? To hell with it. Bam's my pick. Yeah, there, you there, you <laughs> there you go. There you go. I got to get to doom scroll because, you know, here at Bully Ball, we, we, we keep track of all the socials and all the petty and all the little backs and forests. So you don't have to. We just come here every week. We will catch you up on, on how petty everyone is being. And I'm telling you that George Carl and, Anth- and Carmelo Anthony are really <laughs> laying it down for us on doom scroll this week. Um, Mello recently stated on his podcast, he was talking to Dwayne Wade. He said a deal was basically done 
for him to go to the Lakers in 2011. The deal was Mello and Nene for Odom and Bynum. He said that George Carl nixed the deal because he did not want Mello to be competing against him, George, in the Western Conference. So uh, we'll start there. We've got more George Carl and Mello to come here. But just even on this one trade, I guess, Boogie, how good do you think that Laker team would be? Because I'm not sure that Mello and Kobe would have coexisted that great. What do you think? Um, I think it could have been something special, especially coming off, you know, they were on the downside of, you know, winning at that point with Lamar Odom, uh, the big fella, Andrew Bynum. So kind of bringing in that spark, a younger spark, um, and I think even more talent. Uh, it's hard to sit here and say that team wouldn't have been dangerous um, and possibly. Well, I think they the would have been dangerous. I just think the Chris Paul possibility is the one to me that was always like, man, CP and and Kobe, that fit and all of that. Um, I don't know. what, But you, you think Melo and Kobe would have would have been able to work out? Who, who shot I when mean, and all got, that stuff? You got two dynamic offensive guys like Melo and Kobe on the same team. Like, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a hypothetical thing because it didn't happen. And I can speak in hypothetical terms. If that does work and they do figure out how to make it work, that's a very, very, very scary team and uh, could possibly result in multiple championships. So, uh, I'm kind of sad that it didn't happen because I would have loved to been been able to see that and, and see how it played out. But um, obviously, we, we're speaking hypotheticals. So um, all I can say is I think that would have been a very dangerous team. Yeah, I, I, I would say that when you involve, first of all, the Lakers are coming off with two championships. So I think Carmelo would walk in, to be honest with you, Rachel, with a level of maybe just take it down a notch in terms of humility because, hey, man, you're walking into, A, the team that's been dominating this league, B, the best player in the league at that point, and C, obviously, Phil Jackson at that time is still looked at as a guy who knows how to get the most out of people. I think the triangle offense would have helped Carmelo still get his shots, but also kind of play within the flow. We saw him play really well in New York in the triangle at times. So I don't. I think doing that with, Again, you got to remember, the two bigs would have been Gasol and Nene. Both of those guys are good passers, high IQ guys, can do the high-low thing, and then defensively, really good moving their feet. So they'd help Carmelo in that way. I think, honestly, and then the the last part is maybe Kobe gets to age a little bit more gracefully as opposed to if you look at that last stage of his career, he was pushing hard, hard, hard because he had no help. You get Carmelo, now it's like I get to maybe be a little Olympic Kobe to his mm-hmm. Olympic Mellow. Focus on some other things, elongate my career, and we keep winning. Now, in terms of <laughs> in terms of George saying no to the deal, oh man. I'm gonna tell y'all a little story. It's it's a quick story. This thing <laughs> kills me. When I was in Phoenix, we were trying to acquire a player. Should I say names or should I just keep it? Say na- what? What? Okay. This has been Definitely a long time. You can say names. Okay. okay. Travis Diener. Travis Diener was the point guard at Marquette when Dwayne Wade was there. And he was a decent little guard. He could shoot. He pushed tempo or whatever, but he was not like a world beater or whatever. Travis Diener was on an expiring contract in Orlando getting zero burn, zero play. We wanted a backup for Steve. We said, this kid looks like he could run a lot of the stuff that we run. Throw him a second-round pick, which is a lot for a guy who never plays and is going to leave at the end of the year. Right. Orlando said no. 
And the reason why was because they they felt that if they traded Travis Diener to us in our system, he was going to look great. And then they would look silly for having not played him. And they'd rather not get an extra asset for a guy they have no plans for than to you know, let, allow him to be successful and make them look silly. In the same way for George, he, you don't like Melo. You, you don't think he's a winner. You say all these things. So why would you say no to him playing on another team? Why are you so worried that someone else can get more out of him than you could? And that's the part that always kills me in this league. It's like, if you think he's so good, then play his ass. <laughs> why are you trying to trade him? Yeah, I mean, look, look, the mellow George Carl thing wasn't good in the moment. It hasn't been good since. It, it's flared up again over the last couple of weeks, which is sort of, unexpected, but last week Mello was telling a story on his pod about Carl calling him overrated. Um, Poor Detlef Shrimp catches strays in that story. I felt bad for him. Carl responds to him on Twitter. He calls Mello overrated again as a response to the story about him calling Mello overrated. And then yesterday uh, George continued the smoke toward Mello. He tweeted out a picture of Jokic. He wished him a happy birthday. Um, he called Nikola Jokic the greatest player to ever wear number 15 in Denver Hoops history, which we, of course, know Mello wore 15. And then he tagged Mello in the post. I mean, Boogie, you played for George. You you can chime in here. Where do I start, Rachel? Um, it, it's like dealing with a, a bitter baby mother. Like, <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm gonna put it like this: We're all, you know, in this in this game, in this in this occupation, we're all flawed. We we have our we have our good qualities, we have our bad qualities. So through it all, you try to you know you try to make the best of it, which every player tries, every coach tries. In this situation, you have a Hall of Fame coach. On the other hand, you have a Hall of Fame, a first ballot Hall of Fame player. Neither accomplished the ultimate goal. So I'm not really understanding how one can say the other is overrated when y'all both accomplished and didn't accomplish the same exact things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's where it's, hey man, just ride off in the sunset, brother. Like, George, you had your career. Like, it's over. Ride off in the sunset. Like, to still be living in the past, like, and it's and it's and it's constantly. It's it's like every year is something. He has something to say about somebody. Right off in the sunset, George. Like you know, your time is coming gone. It, it happens to every player. Right off in the sunset, bro. And you know, I wish you nothing but peace and happiness. But it's it's given bitter and miserable, bro. Like it, it really is. And and I'm not even. You know, I'm not saying these things to start a war with George or anything like that. I mean, I could put my petty boots on and go all day with this dude, but <laughs> I'm not really interested. Like, I'm really not. And I got plenty of stories. Right, I, yeah. got, I can validate exactly how mellow is. It's, it's plenty of that. But, George, just ride off in the sunset, bro. Please. Please. For your family, for your own sake, for your own happiness. Just ride off in the sunset. That's all I got to say. I think when we're we're so far removed from it, like it gets to a point where, like Boogie said, who cares, man? Just just be cool. Like it, it, it's it's okay to say, man, we really butted heads back then, but now we're both done with our careers. We look at back at it and say, you know what? 
we accomplished some things. They went to a conference finals. They pushed the Lakers to six games. They they won a bunch of games. Like, why why remember the bad things as opposed to just celebrating and remembering the good times? Exactly. See, and on that note of peace and harmony and love for your fellow man, we will wrap things up today. <laughs> I'm glad we solved the all-star problem, gentlemen. Thank you for doing that. Um, so many other things. I mean, it's always so fun to have you with us. You will be doing that more often throughout the season and the playoffs. And all you friends out there, you can catch all the episodes of Bully Ball on the DraftKings Network. That's really fun. Uh, all the Smoke Productions YouTube channel, of course. And wherever you get your podcasts, please rate, review us, give us those five stars. We will be back next week. Uh, have fun. Have, have a good break, everybody. Take some time off. Introduce yourself to your family. Do whatever you might not do when you... <laughs> are usually spending all night watching basketball games. <laughs> we'll see you next week when the games start again. Bye. Right, Bye, gentlemen. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.